For over 2,000 years, the tomb has stood as the symbol of hope. It has been what we look to to gain assurance and comfort in the midst of the uncertainty of death. It's the symbol that we look to that provides us with a sense of peace and knowing about how the story ends. But that's not how the story started. That's not what the tomb has always meant. You see, in the moment, in the beginning of the story, when those followers of Jesus come to the tomb at the beginning of this story, the tomb represented anything but hope. It represented anything but assurance. It represented anything but peace and comfort. You see, that's one of the challenges as Christians today of encountering this story every year at Easter is we know how the story ends. We know how it plays out. We know the beginning and we know the middle. And then we know the final, the grand, the penultimate conclusion of this magnificent story. And because we know all of the parts, because we have read and seen how this story plays out, it removes any of the, any of the tension and any of the uncertainty that existed in the moment. It's kind of similar to watching a movie for the second or third or fourth time. When you've seen it and you know what happens and you know how all of the conflict resolves, the tension is gone from the story. It's like watching The Sixth Sense for the second time. You know that the entire movie, Bruce Willis is actually dead. And so when it reveals that at the end of the movie in this grand kind of climax, you realize, oh yeah, I knew the whole time. And for those of you who I just spoiled the ending to The Sixth Sense, I don't feel bad at all. The movie's been out for 20 years. You got some catching up to do in the world of pop culture. But what happens in movies is when you know how the story ends, when you can navigate and you anticipate and you know the conclusion to the tension, it makes for an easier viewing experience, but it makes for a less exciting viewing experience as well. But what makes really interesting, what makes really exciting movies makes for really difficult life experiences. You see, the tension is where all of the hard stuff is. The uncertainty in life is where all of the challenge and the difficulty comes. When we don't know how our story is going to resolve, when we don't know what's going to happen next in our relationship, when we don't know what's around the corner with our career, that's where life starts to get really hard. If there was a way to resolve and to settle all of the tension, to fill in the gaps of all of our knowing and all of the uncertainty that we experience in this life, our lives would be a whole lot easier. Think about it. As parents, how much more peace would you have in raising your children if you knew exactly how they were going to turn out? If you knew that they were going to get into all of the schools that they're working and striving for, that they were going to avoid heartache or they were going to avoid misfortune, or even if they were going to experience difficult things in life, if you knew when those were going to come so that you could prepare them in advance for it, if you knew all of the difficult moments and all of the places where in, in real time that you don't know how it's going to work out, if you knew in advance that it was all going to be okay, if you knew in advance in those moments of uncertainty how it would all resolve, Think about how much less stressful parenting would be. Or think about how much easier our relationships would be that we knew that in the moment that maybe a potential fight or a disagreement wouldn't be the end or the severance of a relationship if we knew how our relationships would go, whether or not to ask out this person or to, to go on a date with that person or to call them back, if we knew how our relationships would go or even our friendships would go how much easier life would be. We wouldn't be caught laying awake at night, wrestling and wondering and not knowing what's next or if we did the right thing or if we said the right thing or if we should have done more or if we did too much or how 
to go or what to do or what step to take in our life or even with our career. When we have assurance of how it would all play out if we knew at the end of our time in our career and our business and our venture that it was all gonna be fruitful, that it was all gonna be prosperous, if we knew where all the pitfalls laid ahead of us, it would remove any of the tension. It would remove any of the difficulty and the challenge of living in the moment. But you see, life is filled with uncertainty. Our lives are filled with moments of tension because we don't know what's gonna happen next. I mean, this past year has been the perfect example of all of the uncertainty that we have experienced both individually and collectively. Think about all of the little moments of being uncertain and being unsure and not knowing how the next moment was gonna play out. Just like with a movie, we can look back on the last year and know that, oh yeah, these were the right decisions, these were the wrong decisions, we should have gone back to school, we, it was okay to go to the grocery store at that time, or no, we could have eaten out earlier. We know all of the answers to the uncertainty that we experienced because we've lived it. But in the moment, for the last year, it has been really stressful to live in the admit of all of this uncertainty to try to navigate all of these places where we can't see ahead to how the story resolves and we don't know the end. And so we have this overwhelming sense of anxiety and fear and trepidation because we don't know how the story might resolve. And so for many of us, we're still in that place. This is still hard because we don't know what's next. We can't anticipate what's coming and we're not sure how this might all resolve. Some of us have hope that it's all gonna get better and it's all gonna go back to normal. But for many of us, we just just don't know and we can't see how it's gonna play out. And so I think for us today, maybe the tomb is the perfect place for us to revisit. The tomb is the perfect place for us to experience again, reminded of all of the uncertainty that it held in those very first moments, of all of the unknowing, of all of the fear, of all of the trepidation and anxiety that those those men and women experienced when they showed up to the tomb. I think in it, it provides for us clues on how we can navigate the uncertainty in our own life. And so I wanna invite you into kind of the gospel of John and John's account because I think he reveals um, some really wise wisdom, some really good guidance through the uncertainty that we experience in our own life. This is what John says in the 20th chapter as he recounts the story of the tomb. He says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and she saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. And seeing that the stone had been removed, she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have have taken him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came and following him, and he went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw. For as yet, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples returned to their homes and Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. 
So here we are days after Jesus' crucifixion and death. His body placed in this tomb and his followers arrive at the tomb to kind of pay homage, maybe to save some prayers for Jesus, to mourn the loss of their friend and their teacher and their leader. But when they show up on the scene, the scene is not what they expected. The stone has been rolled away and the body is missing. And so in these kind of first 11 verses of John, what we see is John recounts this investigation that begins to happen both on Mary Magdalene and then on Simon Peter and then the other disciple that Jesus loves who's unnamed. They kind of go and begin to investigate and there's this unbelievable amount of uncertainty and unknowing that they experience because they're looking and they're not seeing what they expected to see. They expected to see a tomb with a stone in front of it. And when they get there, they see that the stone has been rolled away. And not only is the stone in a different place than they expected, but when they look in, the body's not where they expected it to be. There was this un, you know, unbelievable amount of shock and surprise that you can imagine that they experience when they walk in and see that the body is gone. And so what you see John identifying again and again and again in this little section of verses is that what they see or what they don't see leads to their lack of understanding about what happened. It says over half a dozen times that they saw or that they looked in, but they did not understand. What John is trying to help us recognize is that there is a link, there is a connection in our own lives between seeing and knowing. When we see something, it helps us understand, it helps us know about what's happening. Think about the different expressions that you might say in relationship to this idea. I'm not certain, I need to see some proof, or I'm not sure how this will work. I can't see it being realistic. In our team brainstorming sometimes, I'm like, tell me a little bit more, I don't understand. I can't see it for myself. There's this immediate connection between what we're able to see with our eyes and what we're able to understand uh, in our minds and in our hearts. And so this is kind of this difficulty and this is this dynamic that Mary and the disciples are experiencing in this moment. What they see confuses them. What they see leads them to this place of uncertainty and for a lack of awareness and understanding about what's happening in their life. This is kind of the same thing that we see happen and experience with small children. It's this idea of object permanence. It's this understanding that objects continue to exist even when we can't see them and even when we can't detect them or perceive them. And so this is what happens in small children. If you're a parent, you recognize this, that when one of the parents leaves or someone that the child loves and is affectionate toward leaves, in the small child's mind, they are gone for good. There's not this anticipation that they will come back again, that they're still in existence. It's because what they see is connected to what they know. It's this kind of um, childlike, um, juvenile, immature understanding of how life works. But the same is true for us in moments of great difficulty. We're led to believe that only the things that we can see are the things that we can know, the things that we can understand, the things that we can anticipate and put our hope and put our trust in. And so when we encounter situations in our lives where we don't have a certainty about them, when we don't know how the story plays out, when we can't see the end and the resolution, we experience all of the same emotions and all of the same feelings that young children do in that moment when they're wrestling with this, you know, this idea of object permanence. Think about what a young child does. They get emotional. 
They become afraid. Maybe they begin to cry. Maybe they begin to kind of express their emotions physically. There's all sorts of kind of inner, inward turmoil and outward expression and manifestation of the angst and the you know, kind of the sensations that they're experiencing because of the loss or the fear, or the anxiety and the stress that their body is kind of processing and dealing with in that moment. Well, as adults and as people, we're not any different. In those moments of uncertainty, in those moments of unknowing, we begin to feel those same emotions and we begin to manifest them in similar but slightly different ways. Think about the times when you're most afraid because you don't know how a situation is going to play out. Maybe it's with a loved one that you care about and they've become sick and you're not certain if they're going to pull through, if they're going to make it. Some of the emotions that you might feel. Or if it's with your career and you've recently been laid off and you don't know how you're going to be able to provide for your family, think about those emotions that you're encountering, that you're navigating. Or if someone ends a relationship with you unexpectedly, all of the flood of emotions and feelings that you encounter in those moments. We go through a whole variety of emotions like sadness, of anxiety, of fear, of frustration, maybe of anger, of resentment, Maybe it manifests into other ways. You know, we start to act out based on things that have happened to us in the past in moments of uncertainty. And so you become a type of person who's controlling. You try to manage and micromanage every area and every aspect of your life because of previous moments of fear and uncertainty and unknowing in your life. And so you're resolved to never allow those things to happen again. And so you try to over-control everything that's happening in your life. Or maybe for you, You've experienced those moments of uncertainty and your response to that is to just kind of end end up in this place of despair and hopelessness. You kind of let go of any need to try to control anything. It's kind of the opposite reaction to the over-controlling person. You just sort of give up in your life because you recognize that there's no way that you're going to be able to navigate this well and you just don't have any hope that it's going to be okay. And so there's this desperation and you feel kind of forlorn in these moments and and you just kind of give up. The other way that we can react in these moments is we can become cynical. We can anticipate that bad things are always going to happen, that our stories will never resolve well, that the conclusions that we come to in these moments of uncertainty will never be happy, they'll never be positive, they'll never be for our betterment. And so we become cynical. We use that as a protective mechanism to keep everything and everyone at arm's length because we know the pain that happens in moments of uncertainty when we get to the other side of the story and it's not what we wanted, it hurts. We feel that pain, but as a way to protect ourselves from future pain, we become cynical in this life. Another way is we become nihilistic and we just say, it doesn't matter, who cares? There's no point to any of this and we give up. Another response that we might have is, We become a little hedonistic. Maybe you're not familiar with that language, but we give in to everything that feels good. We do what we want, when we want, however we want, because what's the point? We might as well just take advantage of all of the opportunities that present ourselves to us because there's kind of this um, way that we have given up trying to make meaning in life. These are all a variety of responses that we have to the uncertainty that we experience in our life. We can see some of these responses in the reactions of Mary and the disciples. Mary, she stands outside of the tomb weeping. The disciples, they run and they go back home and they lock the doors out of fear, the scripture says. But these places of uncertainty, they're difficult. This not knowing is really, 
really hard. And the reason that it's really, really hard is because there's a gap between what we know and what happens next. And John points this out. He, again, he links this idea of seeing things and knowing about things um, connected to the present moment and also its relationship to the future moment. If we go back to verse 9 or verse 8, he says, The other disciple reached the tomb first and also went in and saw, For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And I think the key for us when we experience moments of uncertainty is this idea of for as yet. We don't know what's going to happen yet. For as yet, we're only limited to what we can see and experience in that moment. We're, we're limited to what we know is happening in our life. But as people of faith, may we be reminded as the for as yet that is still in existence in the story. You see, as we read this story about things that happened to people a long time ago, they didn't have the power of knowing for as yet like we do now. We don't read this story with any tension. We don't read this story with any fear or uncertainty. We don't mourn with Mary. We don't run and hide in fear like the disciples because we know for as yet there is something else to come. And so we as people of faith must carry this same truth into our own lives in the moments of uncertainty, in the moments of unknowing, in the moments where we are afraid or we are sad or we are despondent or we have given up all sense of hope because we don't know how to navigate the uncertainty that we're experiencing in this life when it looks like it's too big to solve and we don't have all of the evidence that we need and we can't see enough to know how it's gonna play out, may we as people of faith hold on to the four as yet because we know that there is another part to this story that our story is not over because the larger story is not over. And this is what we see happen in John's account of this story. The four as yet is a turning point in the story. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And so the disciples returned home and Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And then, as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? We know why. Because she's sad, because she don't know what has happened to Jesus. She showed up to the tomb. The stone has been rolled away. His body is gone. And she's in grief because she's scared and afraid because she don't, doesn't know what the future holds. Before as yet, we do. And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But again, she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus says to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? There's something that you don't know and there's something that you are searching for evidence for. What is it? She supposes him to be the gardener and so she says to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where have you have laid him and I will take him away. Give me the answer. Help me to know the answer to the question of the uncertainty that I'm experiencing in this moment. And so Jesus gives her something better. He says to her, Mary, he calls her by name when previously he calls her woman. He addresses her personally. He enters into the conversation in a relational way. He shows up for her in a different way in this moment. He is now fully present to her when he calls her Mary. And she turned and she said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. It's a term of endearment. It's a term of affection. And Jesus said to her, 
Do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your, your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. This thing that is linked to knowing, this action that is linked to understanding, Mary now has it. She has seen God. And as a result of that, she goes and she begins to tell all of the disciples what he has said to her. And then when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and he stood among them. Jesus shows up in this moment just like he shows up for Mary. He reveals himself. He appears to Mary first and then he appears to the rest of the disciples. He fills in the gap of their uncertainty. He fills in the gap of their unknowing and this is what he says to them. He says, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. In the midst of all of the uncertainty that Mary and the disciples experience, what we find is that Jesus does two things. He gives them his presence. He appears to them. He allows them to see him, to experience him, which helps them fill in that uncertainty, helps them fill in that unknowing of what's going to happen next. By virtue of his presence, he gives them some assurance, some comfort that things are going to be okay. Because he brings his presence, he shows up for them in a very real and a very personal way. I think Jesus does the same thing for us. In moments of uncertainty, in moments of fear, in moments of dread and worry and anxiety, we too have access to the presence of God in our life. The other thing that Jesus does for Mary and the disciples is he gives them his peace, which is attached and connected to his presence. When he shows up in that room in the disciples' house, he says, peace be with you. He lets them know that it's going to be okay. Not that there won't be anything bad that ever happens again, but that they can have a comfort. They can release the stress and the anxiety they're experiencing in this significant moment of uncertainty in their lives because Jesus is there. And so in the moments of our uncertainty, in the moments of our, of our confusion, in the moments of the times that we're afraid and we're worried about what's going to happen next when we don't know the answers because we can't see how this story is going to play out, may we remember that Christ is present and that Christ brings his peace to us. This is what I love is that a week later after Jesus has appeared to Mary and the disciples, he shows back up again. And he has a conversation with Thomas and he reminds Thomas that blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. I think that's where we find ourselves today, friends. As we are those who have not seen, there are so many things in our life that we don't know how they're gonna play out. There is so much uncertainty still left in the world. Over this last year, we have navigated an unbelievable amount. And yet there will still be more that lies ahead for us. But what we have in Jesus is a promise of a fulfillment and a blessing that we can experience in our lives when we accept and we recognize the presence of Jesus in it. And when we accept his peace, knowing that he is with us, his presence is with us, in the form of the Holy Spirit, which he gives to the disciples in that conversation, is the same Holy Spirit that we have access to in our lives today. 
So no matter what tomb we experience in our lives, no matter whatever gap of uncertainty that we navigate next, no matter the emotions and the fears and the sensations that it causes us to feel, may we be reminded of Christ's presence in our lives. May we be reminded of the peace that he offers us and his presence through the Holy Spirit, which is at work in our lives. And so may we too, like the disciples, rejoice and say, I have seen the Lord. That's why we celebrate Easter. Because we know that in this moment, Jesus has overcome the greatest uncertainty of all, and that is death. And so no other uncertainty in life can stand to what Jesus has already overcome. No matter whether it's relational or it's with your career or with it's your health or any other type of uncertainty in your life, we know that we have access to the presence of God and to the peace of God now and always. And that indeed is worth rejoicing. Friends, let me pray for our time together. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks on this Easter morning. We give you thanks for the gift of your son, which brings us life. God, we thank you for the ways that you help us navigate uncertainty. The ways that in the midst of our fear, in the midst of our sorrow, in the midst of our suffering, you bring your presence and you fill us with your peace. Help us walk boldly into the future unafraid, knowing that you are with us every day and every step of the way. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.